visualizing playback. Welcome to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast, the podcast about all things metal and everything in between. Is my cold from the last one gone yet? Maybe. Am I going to make it worse for all the views? Probably. I will never confirm nor deny that. Coming up, Algerian returns to talk unearthly will and why this album was different from the previous ones. We'll also sit down with Ronnie Romero, singer-songwriter, because he just dropped a new album and it is a huge moment in his career. Why is that? We'll let him tell you all the details coming up. We also hear from you on what metal musicians can learn from Taylor Swift. Yeah, really. And coming up in a few short moments, some more new albums from this week's new releases. All this and so much more, so let's not waste much more time and let's get into the show. I'm Tom McKay and this is the Metal Robot Podcast. And we're going to start with this week's latest releases. These albums came out this past Friday, so let's start with our first album. Bacterial Husks, Anthropogenic Ruin. Now, I'm actually working on getting these guys uh, set up for an interview on the show, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Though, of course, that'll also hinge on what I might or might not say in this review. <laughs> oh, be careful, Dom. Now, this is a good one, actually. Uh, this album is a unique blend of thrash, grind, and death metal. Uh, the pro production quality as well is top-notch for this one, and it grooves like a motherfucker. Uh, though, I will say, despite my description, it has a bit less grind than I think some of the fans might have come to expect with this one. Songs like Flayed by Anomalies, Spores of Hallucinosis, and Umbilical Sewage are prime examples of what I'm talking about. But it does not take away from the experience at all, it's just that the songs are more fleshed out, they're more groove-heavy, and a bit more tech-death-based, while also adding a bit of that thrash tinge into the mix. It doesn't take away from the experience, it's just a bit less grind than I'm sure a few fans were coming to expect. What also makes this a bit less grind is that the album feels longer. Like, don't get me wrong, 10 tracks, 40 minutes. That does not sound that long, but for whatever reason, I don't know, I started looking at the clock around track two for some reason. I wasn't bored, I don't think, but I definitely found myself confused at why I felt like this was taking much longer. Maybe this was situational to me, and maybe I'm just a dumbass who can't tell time. I don't know, but it was weird that that was happening there. But in the end, Anthropogenic Ruin delivers some damn good death metal. Not the best out there, but definitely not the worst you'd ever find. If you're into this kind of stuff, yeah, this is going to be right up your alley. A solid 12.5 out of 15. Again, if you are into the heavier side of metal and want a bit of death and a bit of thrash in your life, yeah, give it a spin. And uh, when you do, let me know if I'm just a dumbass for the timing thing. I, I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> And now let's take it down a couple notches, or 20, and let's talk about some melodic rock, or a bit of progressive metal. White Noise is the album name, and the band name is Darkness Is My Canvas. What, was this band named by an American emo teen in the mid-2000s? What is this? Okay, but jokes aside, uh, this band from Finland produces some good, damn good Finnish prog rock. Uh, despite the band name, yes, they are... It's funny as shit, but it's not an emo band. Uh, this actually, yeah, as mentioned, melodic prog rock. And these guys, according to the presser, are influenced by bands like Muse, Queen, Pink Floyd, Leprous, you know, non-emo non bands. And of course, they'll bring in a bit of Porcupine Tree sometimes and My Chemical Romance. Oh, for fuck's sakes, the punchline is ready itself here. But okay, White Noise, the album is a great melodic rock album with a bit of metal edge to it. I was actually kind of worried in the beginning that this wasn't going to be metal enough for my jurisdiction, at least in terms of what I would be experienced enough to talk about. As songs like Fade Into the White Noise, they start off with that sort of prog rock style reminiscent of, say, Muse and Pink Floyd, which is not bad at all. I enjoyed that. But of course, then songs like Tilted Vision come in to reinforce that heavy metal edge to that sound, and hopefully is enough to ward off the angry pandas in the comments. 
And the closing track as well. Ooh, the closing track is really something else. Uh, Salvation, Slava Ukraini, is a really cool song. It's a bit more electronic-based, but it still has that metal attitude in the songwriting. Uh, and overall, it's a great tribute to Ukraine and a great support song for Ukraine. Best part though, this album goes by smooth and quick. It's six tracks, 34 minutes, and aside from the, the nine-minute intervals, this uh, these songs don't stick around too long to become overbearing for the listener. Now here's the thing, uh, this album is definitely not going to be meant for the average metalhead. Now, that's not to say that metalheads don't listen to non-metal affairs, but if you're the kind of metalhead whose cup of tea involves verse-chorus, more streamlined kind of metal songs, or you prefer metal songs that are so fucking noisy and loud that you forget what track you're on, uh, track four, by the way, good save there, then this is not going to be the album for you. I'll still recommend it, though, but be cautious, it might not be your immediate cup of tea. Still, if your music taste requires a bit of diversity within a single package, 14 out of 15 from me. Go give it a spin and see what you can find. All right, all right, let's crank it back up and talk about some black metal. Light Lorne's at one with the night sky. Now, the presser, according to the presser, it calls these, these guys cosmic black metal. Just say atmospheric black metal, for God's sakes. Guys, we need to stop trying to add more branches to the metal tree. It's already, its roots are ingrained in the earth so deep, it's already poking Satan in the ass. He's made a couple phone calls, people. We need to stop now. But okay, this album, front to back, it takes you on a journey, though, through time. Okay, jokes aside, uh, this album is a journey through and through. It takes you on a journey through space and time. Uh, it's produced in such a way as well, and this is going to be important to note later, that you are supposed to sit with this album. You're not supposed to put it on in the background while you're doing something else. This is an album that's going to require your undivided attention. Songs like Among Stellar Remnants, Dimensionless Blackness, and Ghostly Soliloquies, they are meant to be listened to intently by the listener. Which is good, because when you do, you'll find something extremely fascinating about this album, uh, which is I, I was not expecting this at all. This is a black metal album, and it features a lot of that black metal darkness. But there's a bit more of an upbeat tone to it. Light Lorne, their style seems to be a mixture of the darkness and the light, which is not something you would come to expect from black metal. I was actually surprised by it. I don't think I've heard a lot like this style before, and it was really intriguing to listen to all the way through. But again, as I mentioned, this is an album that you're going to really need to sit with to get the full experience, which is not the biggest deal if you're into progressive metal and already listen to albums that are two hours long and sit with those albums, because this is a 50-minute album. But this is definitely going to be a bit problematic for those who don't really want to sit through the whole thing and just want to pick out a couple songs that they'll listen to over and over again over time. But then again, this is also talking about black metal here, and this is not exactly uncommon ground, so I don't think it's much for critique here. Overall, though, a solid 13 out of 15. If you're into cosmic black metal, again, just say atmospheric. For God's sake, stop adding branches and appreciate an immerse musical experience, then give this album a try. Uh, it's a journey through space and time and the cosmos that is definitely well worth taking. But of course, that's just my opinion, and now I want to hear from you. For these three albums, what are your thoughts? Did you love them? Did you hate them? Use the hashtag MRPReviews. Let me know. This show is run by you. I mean, uh, what Matrix lands on a hamster wheel? <laughs> <laughs> know what album I should check out next? Send an email, tmckay at themetalrobot.com. That's T-M-C-K-A-Y at themetalrobot.com. You're listening to MRP. All right, it's a metal robot morning here in uh, the podcast, and with it comes a delicious cup of coffee for a very good perky day. You spiked it with whiskey, didn't you? 
I said it's a metal robot morning. Doesn't mean it's not five o'clock somewhere. Mm, tastes like bad decisions. All right. Anyways, so this podcast episode, we have got a special guest who I guess would be considered an all-star in the metal circuit. You may have heard his work with Elegant Weapons, Lords of Black, Rainbow, Corleone, Sunstorm, just to name a few. And he's also done a slew of banger covers and now marks it with the release of his new album, Too Many Lies, Too Many Masters. And he's synced up with the metal robot servers now. So let's welcome him on. Ronnie Romero joins us right here on the Metal Robot Podcast. Ronnie, thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you doing today? Fine. Thank you very much. Okay. First of all, I just got to say, wow. I just, I got a chance to listen to the new album. It is phenomenal. There's so much that needs to be unpacked here, including the fact that I think D&D just got more epic than necessary. If the bard <laughs> starts cranking this out, I'm going to start growing a thicker, thicker beard in that moment spontaneously. That fantastic job. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So, so with that in mind, walk me through the writing for this album. I understand that you were involved 100% of the time for the first time, uh, what was that like for you? Uh, yeah, actually, that was a main idea from the beginning. Um, I really wanted to be involved in everything since it's going to be my first solo album, you know, so it's, it's going to be my name on it. Yeah. And so it must represent uh, uh, not only my career, but my personality, even on the stage, you know, as the people know me and the, the people who was going to my shows through the years. So it, it's 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 me. And, and, and that's why I didn't want to have any like... Uh, like external producer or other people writing the songs or anything like that. I took over even the artwork, all the artwork is my idea and all this stuff, you know? So it's, um, yeah. Um, um, and, and also because I, I wanted to, I want, since I was involved with frontiers through the years, doing a lot of side projects like the ferryman and, and, you know, sandstorm and, and different stuff. I really want to go, um, a little bit away from, a frontiers product, you know, like uh, not telling that this is a bad thing, but you know, I, mm. every, when you work with the same people all the time, it's it tends to sound everything like a little bit similar. So, so in that way, I really want to go a little bit away from from it, also. So, so that's why I took over everything. Right. Well, in terms of the sound, how do you feel it differs from previous projects? Well, it's it's uh, as I said, it's more it's it's, it's the more runny romero you can get. Um, you know, it's uh, obviously uh, you can you can you can listen and, and the influences mainly. Um, uh, it makes total sense for me to make this solo album after the uh, two uh, covers albums I released before, uh, because you know the people they can not only because I play with Rainbow and with Michael Schenker and many other bands, but you know with with those two albums. Um, that I was I was doing covers for my favorite bands and my favorite songs and all this stuff. Uh, the people they can recognize better my influences on this new album. So so it's totally it's totally it's totally me. You know it's it's uh, and and then I wanted to have something very organic in terms of in terms of sound. You know it, I didn't want to have like all those pre uh, uh, presets that normally people use for, for, for mixing and mastering. And, and that's why I wanted to be involved in, the, in that process also. And that the only very important thing for me was to work face to face in the same room with the band writing and recording the album, which is something that doesn't happen uh, very often. And I, it happens to me also. I did many records with people who was in a different country, you know, so just just getting the tracks and going to the studio. But uh, for me to get something more organic and more real, it was very important to work with their people in the room. So so it's going to be like, a, for me, it's like an old fashioned record. Yeah, I think it came out extremely well as a result. Now, uh, now even though you were 100% involved in the writing process, I do understand there were at least two other people that were at least helping out uh, Andy C and Jose Rubio uh, in this creative process, either with production and drumming. So how did like you wrote 100 percent of it, but was there any sort of unintentional or even inadvertent influence that they had that shaped the collective vision of the album? Well, um, yeah, I, I wanted to work with Andy and Jose from the beginning because uh, Andy um We've been working together for at least seven, eight years already. Mm. He was the first drummer in Lords of Black when we formed the band. And um, he's not only a great drummer, he's also a great musician itself. Like, you know, 
he can write music, he can play the piano, and he's a great producer. Um, he has a great musical sense. Uh, and and Jose is a guy who uh, we worked together like 11 years ago. We did an album together in Spain, and he was pretty successful. And it's like the people really like that combination between us. So, so I wanted to have, I, I really wanted to have the best team possible. Um, so I, since I know these two guys and I know that we can write great music together. So, you know, uh, we just, uh, we just worked together in the, in the songs. So they were bringing ideas, riffs and structures and that kind of stuff. And then we were working on the songs, uh, for a couple of weeks and everything was pretty smooth, pretty fast. Um, it was a great connection between us. I was pretty clear at the beginning to the guys that I, the direction of the albums I want to have. Also, you know, I talked to the guys who really want to go this way uh, with this kind of sound. And it was pretty clear for everybody. So that's that's why it took just a couple of weeks to complete the songs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, at the end of the day, it still comes out really well with with the Ronnie Romero sound. And I did I do what I did want to ask this because I know from my own experience uh, making music uh, for going from doing completely solo, all me, maybe with a couple other people for help, but solo with just me and then working with a project where I was just doing the Cookie Monster growls and lyrics. And yeah. I know like the contrast between the two is that the one where I'm just doing the vocals is challenging, but that restriction makes things more creative, whereas the freedom can feel intimidating. Did you feel that with this transition going the opposite direction for you, did you feel that you had more freedom than you knew what to do with? Absolutely. I mean, it's a... Um and that's why I probably really wanted to do everything by myself. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I've been working with great musicians through the last few years um, and mostly singing other people's songs. And um, and in a way, it's it's cool because you have all the work done when you need to go yeah. to the studio. It's pretty, let's say it's pretty easy in terms of uh, it's not a struggle. Uh, and, 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 but then in any way, they, uh, Richie, Michael, Adrian Vandenberg, Leo, Leoni from from Gotar, they all gave me uh, a lot of freedom on the studio to put my own, you know, personality on the songs anyway. But it's not the same, you know. It's not the same when you have, when when you really want to go in the way you want uh, with the songs or write about whatever you want to write or, and and you know, for me, inspiration comes from different places. I'm not that kind of musician that I need to be alone in the mountain to be to bring the muses, you know. <laughs> just going on a spiritual journey don't mind me yeah, guys exactly. i'll be back i'll be back in 20 years i'll be back <laughs> no no i don't need that i don't need no. that so uh, for me it's really easy and uh, to to write music in terms of you know I, I just need my space and my time and and uh, i can get inspiration from different from different things so not only personal experiences but also even I don't know, a book I'm reading or a, a, a movie I'm watching or whatever, you know? So mm -hmm. it's uh, it was pretty smooth in that way. And I really liked that. And, and for me also very important because, you know, through the years, all the people was like telling, ah, yeah, this guy's a good singer, but uh, he's singing other people's songs, you know? So mm -hmm. probably doesn't have some writing skills. So now I can prove that I can I can I can be like a complete musician in every in every aspect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so well, because I know songwriting is a different skill and a different talent, but I think you've mastered that pretty well. But that's not your only talent, given that your voice, your voice is an amazing talent. I mean, your voice is dynamic as such to work with so many artists, as we've seen. So when it comes to the Ronnie Romero approach, was your approach to singing on this album different from anything that you had done with your previous work? No, I just, I just adapted my voice to the songs, which is, I think is very important for a singer. Uh, mm. the most of the time singers, we, uh, overwork the <laughs> songs, uh, trying to, trying to show uh, our capabilities. And I think that's the most of the times is a mistake. I mean, you don't need to show how, uh, you know, how many notes you can sing in a song, you know, sometimes you don't need it, you know, so sometimes you don't need to be that wide and you can sing very low and then very, go very high. Right. It's, it's not needed all the time. You don't need fireworks in every song. You know? So, so it, I was trying to adapt my, my singing to what the songs were, were, were telling. I mean, the storytelling is very important in this case. 
Yeah, I agree with that 100% because I know when you were talking about the now the, the the singers who overwork it, like show how huge their range is, even I'm kind of like, that's the vocal equivalent of guitar wanking from my perspective at least. Because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and this is coming from the music critic in me, which is like, yeah, you don't need to if it doesn't add anything. It's cool. But what's it adding to the story? Was it adding to the exactly. music, you know? And also you need to think in the in the live side, you know, you because at some point you need to you need to sing those songs live. <laughs> and that's where the problem comes. Because we all know that in the studio you can do whatever you want. You can make you know as much as takes as you can do. You know, you can make like three, four, five, you can spend a whole day just with the screaming and uh and it can be edited, edited or whatever. And uh, it's going to sound cool in the studio. And then you can make like a 25 backing vocal tracks and it's going to sound awesome. But then you need to go live. <laughs> so so that's very important. Also, you need to think on that. It's important to consider all the context where your voice is going to be. And speaking of the studio, what was the recording for this like? Obviously, this isn't the first time you've recorded something, including in the age of post-pandemic or current pandemic, depending on what country you're listening to this from. Um, so in this, with this, what was there new challenges that you had to tackle here? Actually, no. I mean, I think it was more complicated with the other projects where, you know, sometimes sometimes you get the songs and, and, and you, you know, you rehearse a little bit before you go to the studio to not to waste the uh, sound tech time. Uh, mm -hmm. just learning the songs in the in the cab, but uh, 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 you know you record the songs and then you send the tracks to the producer, and then the day after you need to change something, and then you go back to the studio and you change it and you send the tracks back again, and then after a week they are still thinking about this little thing or whatever it is. You need to go back to the studio again for just for one word or whatever it is. In this case, was really I think it was pretty enjoyable for me because. I was just going to the studio, recording, listening. I like this. This is gonna be, you know. So, so it was. It was pretty. It was pretty easy, pretty enjoyable to be in the studio without the pressure of to have other people, other people's opinion. In I mean, in terms mm -hmm. of uh, to change things because you know I was in charge of 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 everything. So so it was pretty easy. So in this case, you opted for going into the studio. Do you have a home studio that you use as well for like no, demoing no, no, never, out? No, no, no. I don't like. I don't like that. Um, mm. uh, yeah, I se I separate things. I mean, home is the place where you stay with your family, you spend mm -hmm. time, and you enjoy and all the stuff. The studio is for work. <laughs> right. Okay. So I don't mix stuff. Uh, I don't like to have a home studio. Uh, so even when I need to record a demo, I go to the studio, and also because you know the uh, at the end the uh, the product is sounds better. In, in 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 many aspects you know so i mean it, it, you can record an album at home that's that's true and it's going to sound great if you have the right gear mm -hmm. but nothing like the acoustic of of a real studio in my mm. opinion the analog feel i think it definitely comes out a bit more in those places because they have more analog equipment they can fit yeah. it through the door <laughs> yeah <laughs> And that's where we're going to leave it for now with Ronnie Romero. He'll be back in the next episode. Ronnie's new album, Too Many Lies, Too Many Masters, is out now. You can check it out wherever you listen to your favorite songs. Once again, he'll be back in the next episode where we'll get into a bit more depth about Ronnie Romero, the man behind the music. Coming up, we check back in with Augurium and their new album, Unearthly Will, and we find out from you what we can learn from Swift. This is the Metal Robot Podcast. We'll be right back. Ever wanted to take Metal Robot interviews on the go, but had this happen? Dead? I charged this last night. For fuck's sake! <laughs> Well, we can't solve a bad phone battery. You can take the interviews you love with you wherever on MRP Throwbacks. Be sure to hit save for when you want this on your evening drive to the venue. I'm just a troll. Like, I just I just don't give a, a crap. Can I say that? <laughs> uh, honestly, I've been saying fuck this entire time, so by all means. <laughs> MRP Throwbacks, only on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Looking to stay up to date on all things Metal Robot? No, not really. What? Why? I don't listen to metal. 
How are you listening to this podcast? I thought it was Joe Rogan. We're going to pretend he didn't say that. Follow the show wherever you tread on social media. Facebook and Twitter. At The Metal Robot. Instagram. At The Dot Metal Robot. You can even join the Metal Robot Discord server. We have fun there. Links to all of that and more in the description of this podcast. Follow now. You're listening to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. Welcome back. This is the Metal Robot Podcast. I'm your host, Tom McKay. The slogan I always give out at the beginning of every single episode of this show is it's the podcast about all things metal and everything in between. Though I think after the last episode with Canada and now talking about this episode, I might have to rescind that slogan because this episode we're talking about Taylor Swift, specifically what metalheads can learn from Taylor Swift. And first off, should metalheads be taking notes from Taylor Swift? The answer to that actually is yes, not necessarily for the music, though, of course, saying that I'm sure if you're a Taylor Swift fan, you're probably shouting blasphemy at the podcast, to which I have to say, why are you listening to this podcast? This is not a Taylor Swift podcast. <laughs> are, like, are, like, I'm sure there are metalheads who do like Taylor Swift, but I can't imagine the overlap is that strong that you're listening to this podcast if you're a Taylor Swift fan. Uh, but specifically, when it comes to metal taking notes from Taylor Swift, I think the real place that metalheads definitely, absolutely have no excuses for uh, for not taking notes from is the business side of Taylor Swift. Her How she deals with the everyday goings-ons of the music industry and the fact that she is a business genius when it comes to how she conducts herself in the industry. Not even kidding here. Like, like there's entire essays and videos talking about what she does and how great she is at doing it. And specifically, a lot of stuff to do with uh, the most recent thing that she was doing. I know one of the things that that she's up to right now is re-releasing music that she had lost the copyrights to. Uh, originally, or in terms of the recordings, she lost. The story goes that a lot of her older albums, she had lost the uh, the recording copyright the copyrights too. So now she is going back instead of trying to buy them back or have to worry about what's going on there. She's instead re-recording those albums over time and re-releasing them with um, like all modern day. She doesn't have access to the original recordings. She is re-recording from scratch everything, and. That may sound like it might be a waste of time, but actually it turns out, if you look into this, the new recordings, the new re-releases are actually way better, apparently, according to her fans. And many of her fans agree that this is the Taylor Swift that people want to hear. There is the same Taylor Swift from back in the day, but they're all new. And it's from the modern day Taylor Swift's uh, a mature vocal performance and much cleaner production as well. And as a result, many fans also not wanting to, to not go support Taylor Swift. They're buying these in droves. They, she is making a shit ton of money off of that. So the question I wanted to ask as we're now halfway through the segment here is um, if metal should take notes from Taylor Swift, what should metal learn from her and what like specifically to the musicians. And so I put the call on Twitter and on Facebook and I got a couple responses back. So I wanted to go to just shout them out real quick and talk about them as well. The first one is from uh, Sam Astroth on Twitter, who uh, definitely thinks that we should be taking notes. And the reason being, he says, quote, she's a genius because she keeps up with trends and stays connected to the right people and does her research to know which song to drop at what time and is also able to properly exploit her audience's vulnerabilities. Now, I'm not going to lie. On the surface, that last part definitely does not sound like a good thing. Like, holy shit, she's a cult leader. No, no, that's not at all. Like, I get what, he's what Sam's trying to say there, and that's a marketing angle. In terms of exploiting the audience's vulnerabilities, that's what you do as a musician, as a songwriter, as a marketer. Like, this show does the same thing. Like, I... In terms of what I do for Metal Robot, I have been able to understand what my audience is based on the analytics, and I'm able to understand, okay, what does this audience want? What are they interested in? And I try to gear content that I create, including topics on this show, toward that. 
Now, obviously, talking about Canada to an audience that is not all Canadians does not exactly bode that well, but that is what a lot of content creators do, especially some of your favorites on the internet. Uh, they have specific, uh, what, 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 what they will call avatars in the marketing world. That is essentially a general profile of the target audience for what they're making. Same goes here. And Taylor Swift, definitely, I think she has nailed that part to a T. And all of it is down to, like, she is, despite... Obviously, like, I'm not a big Swifty fan in terms of the music. I just couldn't, I can never really connect to the music as much as others have. In terms of the business aspect, absolutely, 100%. Uh, I definitely think she has, uh, she's definitely nailed that down to a T. And on Facebook, we got a couple of responses too. I'm going to try to make this a bit quicker because uh, we're getting short on time here and I want to move forward. But uh, a couple of responses on Facebook, uh, Guillerme, who is the GJ, uh, who I've worked with before. If you heard the homie Yushis ads on this podcast before, yeah, he's the mastermind behind those. Um, so he wrote, quote, probably a lot. As a wannabe producer and a musician, I struggle with reaching audiences outside social media bubbles. I have zero idea how to level up from where I'm currently at, and even though I could learn tons with her and other pop artists, I do think their main takeaway will be have money to invest in XYZ. And that is something that yeah, it makes sense towards like the last part especially, have money to invest in XYZ. Because in many ways, any musician will tell you, if you are a consumer, yes, you need money to buy music. You need money to buy merch and support the musicians. But musicians, nowadays especially, because touring costs are not cheap, they are essentially way too expensive to even bother with. And so you need to find a way as a musician to become essentially a business owner in terms of like, for example, uh, in terms of like, say you have a band called uh, Ripping Shreds or some uh, generic name like that, they have, they're essentially going to have to be, if they want to become successful in the music industry. They have to become uh, Ripping Shreds Incorporated kind of thing, where they have to take business deals. They have to market to their audience. They have to know what they're interested in, what products they should sell in terms of merch, but also maybe in terms of uh, like, like any sponsorship deals with companies or like any, anything of that sort. The best way to make money in this industry is to become a businessman or a businesswoman or business they them. I don't fucking know anymore. Uh, I'm going to get canceled for that. Um, moving on. But I've, I've got another one here. Uh, one last one that I do want to point out and then we'll head out here. Um, Effie Gold writes, she gets involved in every aspect of her brand. And I think this is actually uh, going away from the quote here. This is a good thing to really focus on here from writing to performing to producing to directing and then really focusing on this idea of connectedness through music she's kind of nailed the paradoxical relationship which can be good and can be bad but it's very lucrative absolutely a hundred percent and that is something yeah there's a lot of draws to having uh, a fan base with paradoxical relationships with you because that is how stalkers are born but at the same time, having a close relationship with your fan base has the uh, the intended effect of being able to create a connection with the audience through what you're making and what you're selling. If your audience is connected to you on a paradoxical sure, but in many ways a personal level, that helps with being able to get them to invest it in you, in your product, in your music. And I think in many ways, that is a big one that uh, metalheads and metal musicians, specifically metal, uh, the metal music industry should definitely try to learn from Taylor Swift. No matter what your feelings are towards her music, she is a beacon of what can, what musicians of all genres should aspire to try to become. She knows what she's doing. And even if you are not a fan of the music, business-wise, every metal musician, I think, and even metal content creators like myself and metal YouTubers, podcasters, everybody should be taking notes from what she has to offer here. You don't have to make pop songs or songs that pop off to for a bunch of, for like a mainstream audience, but you should definitely consider, hmm, maybe there is a couple things that she's doing that might actually work and try to adapt it to what you need to do. It's worth thinking, but of course, that's all, that's all the opinions there. And thanks again to everybody who commented, uh, and to those I was able to get to, and to those I wasn't able to get to, but I, now I pass it back off to you. 
any thoughts on this, uh, what we've talked about here? Should Metal take notes from Taylor Swift? Maybe. Why? Why not? Let me know. I'd love to hear from you. You're listening to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. And finally for tonight, let's check back in with Augerium. Now, last episode, we chatted about the new album, Unearthly Will. It was a colossal return for the death metal band, and it was a huge death metal sound that they were creating, which was a bit of a surprise, I think, to a lot of their fans who maybe had not heard that kind of sound from them before, at least in terms of this new direction they were going in as part of their return. And let's check back in once again with CJ of Augerium to talk more about this album and also what was different from the last album. CJ will break it down for us right here. This is Augerium part two on the Metal Robot Podcast. Well, we've been kind of like talk, going back and forth on the new album Unearthly Will, uh, and it was as you mentioned, I think I think you may have mentioned this here, but I know it was mentioned in the promotional material. It was done remotely by each member. So how did this process impact the album's creative direction? Did it present any challenges compared to everyone being in the room together? Yeah, so it and it's it's kind of weird for me to say it because I always would write with the current individuals or any individual in the band at the time, we would do it together. Typically it'd be me and the other guitar player and me and the drummer. And we would have showed ideas and go back and forth. Whereas with this one, it was me and Logan occasionally in person, but it would be over Skype mm -hmm. and we would send stuff back and forth. We would sit and I'd make a riff and he'd be like, okay, teach me how to play it and vice versa. Um, and then when we got everyone else into the fold, it became a little bit more complicated because we're essentially sending files back and forth, back and forth. We're sending MIDIs. It's like Logan would, uh, for us to write the songs, he would program drums to kind of just hash out the idea. And then our drummer would go and make his own shit to that. And it's just a different experience because there was no in-house or there was no in-person writing and recording it was all done uh, in our own little home studios quote unquote and then our, our bass player actually produced and mastered the the record itself which is like <laughs> hopefully the if the dude that produced the last album hears this i hope he doesn't want to kill me but i spent thousands on unhallowed and the production oh. shit compared to what we did with this and we did this ourselves Aside yeah. from like the man hours, like Reed spent hours and hours doing it. Aside from the man hours, there was no studio cost. So like it just it fucks with me that I can pay thousands and I got a better product when we did ourselves for no no cost. So yeah, it it definitely was different, but <clears throat> I think the the aspects that were really on our side was is again, we were doing it in secret, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. um so there was there was no rush there was no deadlines it, it it flowed and came to fruition naturally i think that's the biggest aspect of why we were able to hone in and make again i'm gonna be cocky make a banger of an album because there was no rush man we did what we did we we as much as we wanted to play shows and come back and oh my god oh my god we just took our time and it it panned out very well thus far anyways <laughs> i think so i mean if you can get a good a great sounding album without spending thousands of dollars that you yeah. i don't know if you saw my jaw dropped to the floor thousands of dollars really yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh dude again i'm not gonna go into detail about it because he's a great guy and i really appreciate what he did for us it was it was chaotic. Like we were trying to get it done. We were trying to get it out. So he, we rushed him technically. So I'm sure it could have been better, but still it was like, I think all said and done, it was like 3,500 just for the recording and mastering of that album. And again, I'm not shitting on his work. It's got nothing to do with that, but the production is dog shit compared to what we did with ours right now. I, I mean, most of the time, from my own experience, at least, uh, when it comes to when it comes to the to the quality, it's more down to time than it is anything else. Yeah, it's absolutely. rare. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. There are producers out there who are just, who just have no fucking clue what they're doing. And they just like get in front of the board for the first time. And they're like, button, how, uh, and just go from there. (laughs) Uh, but, but like, yeah, the majority of the time when you get a great producer, I mean, the same thing goes for, for movies and, and cause I know people will talk about like, oh my God, the like most recent example, the visual effects of the flash. Oh my God, that's so shit. But then you actually talk to people who worked on the film and they're like, you don't want to know how much crunch we had to do to get this piece of shit onto this screen. Stop. (laughs) So yeah. So like time at the end of the day is a big factor, but I, yeah, like you mentioned in this case, you didn't really have a deadline fuck around with it as much as we can exactly like some of the songs like phantom parallax we reworked that song so many times to the point where like i love now that i'm playing it live it's great but i fucking hated it at the time because it's just it, this is good oh no 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 so essentially for our songwriting process we all have to collectively agree or like some form of a vote on a riff or a section or whatever for a final sound and that one took forever like we wrote that one in, I think, the end of 2021, and we did not have a finished, polished product of that till seven months ago. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, but there's always, when you're going back and forth with it, there's also always the concern that you're, you're coming, you're kind of being a bit too perfectionist with a song did that fear come up at any point or that that thought come up at any point yeah, oh no for sure like it, it got to a point where we're like hey we we want to we want to release this not to not to mention um okay so maybe, maybe there was a bit of a deadline for the mixing and mastering uh john he was like hey try and get this to me by this date and reed is a full-time like he's got a full-time job he's an engineer he does a bunch of different stuff so essentially he crushed oh essentially overtime hours to get that done so yeah it got to a point where this is good enough we cannot spend any more time otherwise it is not gonna be ready for all of these pr things <laughs> right so, yeah i think you you mentioned in the in the promotional material I believe or even here uh that unearthly will it brings out your expression of old and new references yeah. within the world of metal uh, could you give us some examples of these references and how they manifest in the album's music and lyrics? Um, so just for the record, when it comes to lyrics, I'm fortunately not the guy for that. I wish I was going to actually try and get Yanni, the vocalist in, in on this, but he had to go just because of the tour and everything. But That's fair. So the actual riffs itself, um, uh, just for reference. So like uh, Sanguine, that was the first one we wrote for this. There is a clear defining sound within i can't give you the timestamp, but those riffs there's a lot of old augurium and like unfortunately i'm still to a degree in that writing process that's how i write it's i'm just so used to that old school bum 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 and just trem riffs um it i don't think they clash by any means but i think the best way to express this um there's just it's there's a clear distinction you, you can hear the first two songs we wrote and then the last thing we wrote and it's a night and day difference, but it still works. I, in my opinion, I think it does anyways. So I, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, no, I think it does. I think it does. I mean, like yeah. when you're like, I, when you're coming up, up with new stuff, but you also yeah. like still have the mindset of the old stuff, yeah. finding a way to meld them together. can be a challenge. Um, do yeah. I, so like, did that become a challenge here or like, do you still feel like it's like, there's like a, a bit of the, flip floppiness to the songwriting yeah so there's there's i i honestly feel like that kind of writing is always going to stick with me mm-hmm. no matter how much i progress with our sound so i think it's always going to be maybe a clash but it works because the mix of my influences in writing and logan's they blend really well together and we we haven't we haven't really had any like, hey, I've got this riff and he doesn't like it or vice versa. Like it's been pretty seamless with that. We're we're pretty uh our writing for each other is pretty approachable. So it 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 works. So I think it'll I, I hope it progresses and it's a little bit more um 
flexible and and just seamless, but it, it works. So I guess we'll see. We're we're starting to write new stuff already. So we'll uh yeah, we we uh we're actually playing with uh Signs of the Swarm in November. We may or may not be playing a new song that's not on the new album. Mm. So interesting. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I see. <laughs> All right. All right, so I uh, so you like we met, we talked about briefly year that years that you guys were on tour, you're touring yeah. around. How have people been uh, been in? Uh, how has the shows been for uh, for Augurium? How have the shows and the fans, the audience, the environment? Well, honestly, it's 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 been insane, is what it's been. So our our first show was in Kelowna. Um, it was the twenty fourth of August, and maybe it's just our perception. I thought we did shit, <laughs> but we had also, that was the first, like literally three hours before that first show was the first time all of us were in the same room together. Oh. So that was the first time jamming. And again, playing to our clicks and playing to the tracks. That's, that was perfect. When we're, when it's just me, Logan and Yanni in here, because we're, we're all Saskatchewan based. When it's just us here, it's fine. No issue. We're like, Oh yeah, we're fucking ready. But then when we get in the room, with the bass player and the drummer, it's a completely different feeling. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> we're going to fucking fuck this shit up and we're going to fuck it up hard. It's like, it's like what time is it? Fuck! Yeah, uh. yeah, exactly. Like, literally, dude, we, we drove to Kelowna and we had three hours before the show. So we're like, okay, let's do this. Let's make sure we're good because we initially were going to have no time and we were just going to go to the venue and do it. And I'm really glad we didn't because we did work out some shit. But it was really good, man. The first two shows, we we sold a fuck ton of merch. We made killer door. Like, I I, I don't know if I can disclose pricing or not, but we made like a thousand bucks within two days, and that is unheard of for me, anyways. Because like I'm so used to previous argument being kind of just like the mediocre. It's like it's not bad, but it's not like holy fuck, check this band out. Mm -hmm. And over the course of the tour, my perception has changed to the point where like I. I'm not an egotistical person, but I feel like I paid my dues and we're, we're given the respect we deserve now. Right. Yeah. So it, it just gradually got better. And every, every city was different. Like Kelowna, they were, it was packed, but the crowd was quiet. You know, like there was some people getting into it. Some people didn't, people loved us. They bought merch. They, they're like, Oh, you guys are great. And I'm like, I thought it was shit, but um, the, the, I guess the it's kind of ironic in my aspect is, is the first song or the first show I thought was shit, but the last one was like fucking spectacular. And I hate that because it's the last show of the tour is the biggest one technically. And it's perfect, but like I wanted it to be perfect every night, you know? So it's, it was, it was good. Our, our Saskatoon and Regina shows that our home province, those were definitely the biggest ones. And like, I've I played in both cities more than probably a, a couple handful dozen times. And I've never gotten this kind of reaction, man. Like it was to the point, like uh, last night after our set, um, I was trying to get off the stage just to go get some water and go to the merch. And people are like crowding around us, like saying, Oh my God, Oh my God, it was so good. And I get to the, the merch booth. There's like fucking 15 people trying to buy shit. And I'm the only one there. And I'm like, where the hell is the cash box? It was on the <laughs> stage. I had to fucking run back and run over. And it was to the point where I couldn't even, we've been, we've, we've had essentially like a, uh, like a, not a program, but like just a process just to keep track of inventory and items and cash when we're mm. making transactions. It was to the point where I didn't even bother. And that's, <laughs> that's what it was all night. There was just so much shit going on and just for uh transparency i'm not being cocky about this it just right yeah we did so well that we could not keep up with the items we were selling and we just free balled okay item here item here item here so it's it, it feels fucking amazing because i've never experienced this in my 10 or 11 years of being active in the music scene so it's it's a little intimidating i'm not gonna lie i don't know how the big bands do it man because like <laughs> I was drowning last night. They hire Good. people. They hire people. That's what they do. <laughs> yeah, we'll just, <laughs> they hire, they hire like a swarm of people to start walking yeah. in. 
exactly. So uh, we got to start wrapping up uh, pretty soon, but I do yeah. want to ask, like, what is the fee- like? You mentioned there's a new release in in the works. So what uh, what are what's in the works? Uh, well, what's in the future? What can people expect within the near future? Any new shows? Any places you're looking to go? Yeah. So. <sighs> What we're, we're, we're intending to do, we're going to wrap up with that Signs of the Swarm show. Cause like, that's, that's a big one for us. Like that's huge. Um, and then we're not going to do anything until probably spring, but we're aiming to do bigger uh, stuff within BC and Saskatchewan and aim for festivals. I don't know if we're going to do uh, another tour next year, but mm-hmm. after that we plan to go out East and then, if I can make it work with the contacts I have, we're intending to do the States within 2025, but I guess it just depends on how it goes. So there'll be, there'll probably be a new release of some form, whether it's an EP or an album by 2025, but the intentions are to keep going and grind away because with this response, I am not going to lie dormant any longer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I do have, uh, we got to wrap up now, but I do have one final question that I got to ask it. Where did I put that question? Uh, let me see if I can find it. Uh, maybe I'll change guitar strings in the meantime. Uh, let me see here. It's somewhere. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay. Got it. I got it right here. Uh, okay. So, okay. If you could be any cereal box character, who would you be? If I could be any cereal box? any cereal box character. So, you know, the, like the characters on cereal boxes, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, probably that fucking leprechaun. They're no. after me lucky charms just because uh, I can be in the kids and tell them yeah. to fuck off. <laughs> and cereal and of gold. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. The best possible answer we can get. All right. So yeah. CJ, thank you so much for coming on the show. Unearthly will is out now. Go check it out wherever you get your music. It's I, I believe you Bandcamp is one of the places you can get it too. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And get it on Bandcamp. It's coming up within the next week so people can get physical. Awesome. So, yeah, go check it out. Uh, and anything you want to shout out real quick? You got 30 seconds. The floor is yours. Anything uh, and everything. I just want to shout out my bandmates. I fucking love them to death. Like, they, they do. they literally made me cry on stage last night. And Aww. then uh, just to our touring mates, Cell and Cryotic, they're fucking great boys literally intimidating to go on after them i'm like we got to fucking set the bar even higher it's really hard to do with those guys like fuck they're good that's that's about it man thank you very much for having me yeah thanks for coming on man i appreciate your time of course thanks again to augurium cj for coming on the show cool dude by the way really awesome dude to talk to uh as always links to everything uh, about i just talked about augurium's links are down in the podcast description for you to check out go check them out and also go check out that new album unearthly will is the name and as mentioned it is everywhere you listen to music including on Bandcamp. go support the band go check out the stuff and i can't wait to find out what shenanigans they'll be up to next time you just listened to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. That song only means one thing, and that it means we are heading towards those doors. But before we go, let me cue up what's coming up in the next episode. Ronnie Romero returns to talk about himself. We kind of poke and prod a little bit into his personal life there. Uh, also, Blackbriar joins us. He's, they sit down with us because they just released a new album, A Dark Euphony, and they're going to tell us all about that. All this and more in the next episode. In the meantime, thanks for listening to MRP. You can follow the show on the internet, YouTube, Metal Robot Reviews, Facebook and Twitter at The Metal Robot, Instagram at The Dot Metal Robot, and head on over to our online hub, TheMetalRobot.com, for all things Metal Robot. Special thanks, as always, to you for listening and for your comments on the Swift uh, whole thing, and for Ronnie Romero and CJ of Augurium for joining us on the show. I'm Tom McKay. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'll see you in the mosh pit next time. Have a good night.